Welcome to Scars to Stars, where conversations and personal stories let us know we are not alone. In this show, you will meet authors and speakers from our books and events as they share vulnerable personal stories to spread hope and inspire you through adversities in your own life. The world is a difficult place. You will find like-minded people here with kind hearts and supportive souls. I am your host, Dina Brown Mitchell. I am a suicide survivor and the founder of the Realize Foundation. I am so glad you are here. Let's dig into this meaningful conversation. Hi there, it's Dina with the Realize Foundation, and I'm back today with Michael to talk about his chapter in Scars to Stars, Volume 2. So, hi, Michael. Welcome. Hey, Dina. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to to see you again. It's been a little bit since we talked, and your chapter is awesome. I'm really glad to have it as part of this book. I think it's a topic that most people think about or deal with, but don't talk about much. So thank you for sharing. And yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. And the first one is, can you tell our audience a little bit about what your chapter is about? Yeah, sure. It's uh, about facing the why of addiction. Uh, just to lay it all out right off the bat, I was struggling with porn addiction for a long time. And uh, the reason no one really taught me how to express masculine my masculine energy. And in a world where we're told toxic masculinity, um, I would kind of hide that masculine part of me. And it led me to a point where I would just ask why, 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 why? And when you peel back a few layers of why, uh, it makes people very uncomfortable. So it's no wonder why I could never really uh, find the answers. So, uh, but once I got to the point where I really started going within myself and trying to really, you know, understand that we're all the same at the end of the day, that we have, we live, we have an animal body, we have, you know, desires and how to, you know, connect with God and tie that in. It's how to be in the world, but not of it, you know, indicators of shame and guilt can actually be very powerful uh, lessons that we run away from shame and guilt, that we actually make it stronger and when we kind of listen to that shame and guilt, and also to distinct that there were there's subjective shame and guilt, which is you know the stories we tell ourselves, the lies that we can tell ourselves that you know maybe our, we learn from our parents or society that you know we're not good enough. And then I believe there's an objective truth, and that's you know a moral compass, which isn't you know people are afraid to be judged, but I think that at a certain level we should aim for the best version of ourselves. And when we feel shame and guilt, and I think it's really authentic sense, it's a calling to say, hey, you know what? There's a better version of you that's available. And it's a really hard thing to do to to hold people to that, right? Because we're, we always hear things like, well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's just true. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before that I think it's important to to give people that message at first, especially people who are dealing with suicidal thoughts, as, as we've talked about, because that's not the time to give tough love. That's the time to listen. And that's a time for people to share their pain without judging them. But I think after that point, that's the opportunity to kind of poke and prod and say, hey, you know what? You're not being the strongest version of yourself. And this is an opportunity to grow. And that's what I was really looking for. 
right? I was really looking for somebody to do that. And then I, I just faced myself, you know, and now I'm in a position where I'm doing that for other people. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, I think your story, the way you wrote it can apply to many situations. I know you talk about your, your situation with porn, but you know, I think the way you wrote it, it could apply to other addictions in the world and other, you know, situations that people might find themselves in. It might not be the same as you, but similar to what you were dealing with and how you dealt with it could also help them, even if it's a different situation. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's, you know, who knows what else. Anything that feels good, right? Anything that feels good can end up enslaving us and entrapping us. And if it's to live in both of the, like to enjoy the soda, enjoy the ice cream. But remember, that's the same thing that can entrap you. And to see it for what it is rather than, oh, I'm bad. I shouldn't eat ice cream. I'm bad. Yeah, I look, I screwed up my diet again. No, it's see it for what it is and, and appreciate that we live in this body. But it's also, it's anything that's temporary. And we try to make something that's permanent temporary. We end up entrapping ourselves. That is That is so true. So my second question for you is, how was your experience writing your story? And, you know, I know you haven't really met a lot of the other authors or, or been in our community a lot yet, but normally I ask about that too, because it's it's a built-in support system when you join Scars to Stars, because there's so many people that are already involved and, you know, they're just, they're there and they understand what we're doing and they understand going through things and needing support. And it's just, it's become an amazing community. And I can't wait for you to meet everybody. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, full transparency, this is the first time I've ever written a book, you know, and, and you know, when, when, we, when you had told, I had a couple of days, when you, could, when you told me, I just had a couple of days to write it. So I just kind of just wrote it down. I even hit the, now it was a little shorter than it was supposed to be, but it was really good. And just before we started speaking, I was saying, you know, that, this is something that it, it was an opportunity for me to really get my thoughts down on paper. You know, it was just, it's a short story, but it's, I think it's something that really everyone should do because as you start writing down, it's, it's, it's really a process of being able to clarify your thoughts. I would write something and then, you know, it's get them down on paper. Uh, so it was really, for me, it was a great experience and I look forward to you know doing that again in the future. Um, but yeah, I think it's for me. I think one of the biggest things that I try to do is try to inspire people to do something. Like you, you can buy a thousand books. Like I have a lot of books. A lot of books I haven't read. Oh, I have this book. I have I have a whole bunch of books here, but I haven't read all of them because um, I think it's really important that you are the author of your story. So your story is important. Wherever you are watching this, my story is important. Dina's story is important that just start writing it down because I think it's so easy to become the observer. You're sitting on the sidelines, right? I just wrote this. I should be the testament that you can write something. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to publish it tomorrow, but just write it down and share it with somebody in your life. And it's something that I think can really, really help. And it's inspired me to take the next step in and write even more. So. Oh, good. I'm so glad. It's, yeah. it's true. And I, I was saying to Michael before we got on here is that you know, people told me for years I should journal and I kept saying, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and when when COVID happened, I started journaling like religiously and it changed 
everything for me. It it helps me get my thoughts out of my head where I wasn't, you know, I was constantly, I don't know if it's my anxiety or what, but I constantly think of the same things over and over and over and over. It's like making to-do lists over and over, you know, so I don't forget something. And when I started journaling, it really helped me with that anxious energy around, you know, all the things I needed to do and all the things on my plate. And then it turned into, you know, writing. I had written um, a chapter in a couple books before COVID. And those were really hard for me because it was the first time I had written. And I was like, I don't know what people want to hear. Like, I don't know what, what I should say. And so it's been a journey for me in the writing arena. And I did write a chapter in this book, which was a little different because I never written anything so personal. But I think it's it's healing. <clears throat> and I think once we free ourselves of whatever it is inside that we're, we've been hiding, you know, whatever that is, once we free ourselves of hiding something, it's a whole different world. Because we all think we're alone. We think nobody could have ever been through what we've been through. And it's just not true. There's so many people in the world that when you step up with this book and you put your story out there, you're going to have people coming out of the woodwork telling you, I've been through that too. I have a similar story. I And it's, it's crazy because we all are in our little box and we think we're all alone and there's no help and there's no support and nobody could ever understand and, you know, that's kind of what our whole foundation is about, is reaching people with these stories so they know they're not alone and they're not the only one that's been in this situation. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, I, I'm getting this, I literally got goosebumps as you're saying that because yeah, I wrote a little bit in this chapter about um, David Goggins, who has been a really yeah. a big influence for me. Just for those of you who don't know David Goggins, he is someone who has, I mean, he competes in 200 mile races he ran a hundred mile race uh, eight weekends in a row, so he had totaled eight hundred miles, broken down one hundred. And it wasn't so much like, oh wow, like I want to run that many miles. It was like, what makes someone do that, right? And and that's what really is so fascinating. And he says the same thing that you just said is that, you know, this whole world, this whole world, it's just one big head game. And once you realize that, you know judgment from exterior it's just people and this is why i try to tie in biblical principles in a way that like and i'm still trying to understand it myself i don't want to just there's a difference between religion i believe in religionism someday going christians uh that when you get to the core you realize everyone's you you get to that place where i think it's such a power gets a place where you don't care what anyone thinks but it's not like a cold it's not like you don't care about other people but the truth is that there's people going to judge you and they're going to bully you and to be in a place where you can own your story without it becoming like, you know, a soap opera too, right? Because yeah. I, I think that with every, there's a lot of like, you know, no knock on Dr. Phil, but like there's too much drama too, right? So it's like to share your story, not for getting attention, but to connect with other people that you don't, you know, when people like try to judge you, it's almost that you can like, like, yeah, that's part of my story. I had to mess up. Like, it's just a matter of fact. I think at first it becomes like, hey, I got to open my heart and share this. But at a certain level, it's just like, no, it's it's kind of like uh, Christ talks about a sort of truth. It's like, this is the truth. I have nothing to hide with it. Right. right. And, and yeah, I think that's, 
that hundred percent what you said is is that we think that we're different than other people um, and we're we're really not it's just once we once we understand that then uh, we also have the ability to confront other people right because I think that's that's one of the things that I is really important too is that instead of uh I think we protect victims but I think we should strengthen victims of people who are bullied as well right we have to we have to have the ability to I think have teeth and stand up for ourselves because the world can be cold. And you know, when people are bullying, we need to stand up to bullies and realize that there's a bully and a victim within all of us. And once you know that, then it's like you become kind of invulnerable through absolute vulnerability. That's a really good point. Are you feeling alone, lacking hope and unsure of the future? So many people are feeling the same way. How could you not after an unprecedented lockdown of the entire globe? The fallout has changed the normalcy we all knew. It's hard when you feel lost and even harder when you're scared to talk about it. We are here to help. At the Realize Foundation, we provide peer-to-peer support through conversations, community, and personal stories. It is our mission to spread hope and let you know that you are not alone. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to become part of our membership community to get the peer-to-peer support you need. Learn more at the call to action link for Scars to Stars membership. I look forward to seeing you in our community of kind souls. And to what you were saying earlier, I just have to share, I feel like I'm supposed to share this, is that you know, I was silent about my failed suicide attempt for 23 years. And I know you know that, but yeah. I think I think that I was petrified of anyone knowing about that, of talking about it. And in 2018, I lost a friend to suicide that I'd known for 20 years. And if any of you have followed me, you probably know the story. But the point of it is when my friend died, it wasn't easy, but I was in a position where in my heart and my head, there was no way I could stay silent because I could never be in a situation like that again. I could never be in a situation where someone I was my friend and I cared about died and didn't know what I knew and could have shared to help. And that moment changed everything for me. Because it was no longer about me and what people thought about me. It was about saving someone that I cared about. And it it changed everything. And I think that that sometimes we have to have a reason like that to speak up about our story that is very personal. And sometimes we just get to the point where we've healed from it and it, and we're willing to share it. I don't think at that point I was healed from it because I had never talked about it. So it was a COVID was a blessing in disguise for me because it gave me that time to really process it and really understand what I had been through and why. And I had to even talk to friends to even remember things because I had blocked it out for so long. But it's like you you are in a situation where you feel like you might could have done something, but you you didn't do the things that would have made it possible. I don't know how to explain it. But it it really did change my outlook on life and my outlook on myself and how other people see me. 
and I didn't care anymore. Yeah, that's just as my whole life, and all I wanted to do was prove myself to everyone. Mm. Yeah, that makes me think of. Uh, it's so funny. If you asked me ten years ago, I'd be like saying Christ as much as I was now. I'd be like, okay, ridiculous. Like, but it makes me, I, I just keep thinking of the wisdom of Christ. That like one of the things that he says is, if you don't bring out what's within you, what's within you will destroy you. And to me, that has two meanings. Is one is that we all have pain, and that when we bring that out within us, as you as we were speaking of this, like you're sharing, you're helping other people. So you're helping other people. It's completely like no words are going to fix the pain that you feel, right? So I mean, that's it is. It's already happened. There's nothing we can do about it now. But what we're doing now is there's people who this is going to save people's lives right now. So it's a I don't want to say a blessing in disguise. You don't want to everyone, anyone. But when you look at through the world through a pure eyes, you realize that everything that bad happens in life can be a, a blessing, and, and and the opposite too. That's why I say the ice cream, right? The ice cream analogy that we try to feel good, but those things can end up making us feel bad. So rather than seeking feeling good, feel, seek fulfillment, which is that's peeling back a lot of the layers. Why we do what we do, but yeah, that idea that. It's, it's always stuck with me. It's what made me start my YouTube channel and, and engage more in this is that if you don't bring out what's within you, what's within you will destroy you because that guilt and pain, it's not a bad, guilt and pain are not a bad thing. It's a bad place to live, right? Because, and, and when you speak with someone who is going through suicidal uh, thoughts, what I've realized is that I think if most people, again, most people are honest, everybody's going to get to a place where like, why am I even living? But whether, whether they act on it, or, you know, they speak it out. Everybody is going to have that thought, I believe, at one point in their life. Why am I, at least, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? Why am I at this job? Why am I, whatever the why is, right? And when they start looking for, when they start asking for help from other people, a lot of people are so built in that they haven't faced that question too. So now we're getting a feedback system from a whole bunch of people who haven't asked the why they're doing what they're doing. They're just, I, this is what I do and this is how I do it. Not why am I doing what I'm doing? So at a certain point, they get feedback like, why am I even in this world anymore? Nobody has the answers, right? So when you're dealing with somebody who has that, you know, you have, that's the opportunity to be real. When someone's sharing their pain, share your pain and say, hey, I'm going through this too, because then there's, there's feedback. Hey, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this pain. People are asking the same questions. And, you know, the worst thing I think people can do when they're faced with people who are going through that, those suicidal thoughts is the cliche answer. It's okay. Don't worry. There's people who have worse situations than you. The best thing you can do is share your pain, share your dark side, share that piece of you that, you know, and put yourself out there because that's, to me, we're, we're hungry for authenticity. We're not hungry for the the answer. The time for the feel good answer is, is done, I think. We need, we want a real Love is real. It's not nice words. It's being real. So, I agree. I think um, I just recorded what, what we're calling the Hope Course on the main page of our website. And it's free. It's just four videos of me talking. It's like less than 30 minutes to watch them all. And it's really talking about that kind of stuff. And part of it is how do we support somebody we care about going through that time? And it is really important not to say, you should just be happy. Yeah. You have so much to be thankful for. You have, and, and all of that might be true, but that's not helping the situation. And I think a lot of people, when 
when somebody's having suicidal thoughts, they shut down because they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't know what to say. So I'm hoping that, you know, our our videos and our conversations and community is helping spread the word of how do we support someone like that? And it really is just listening and being there and and whatever they need. Maybe it's like, let's go on a hike. Let's do a puzzle. Let's watch a movie. It could just be being together and talking about something that they're looking forward to. Because Johnny Crowder, who started Cope Notes, he told me one time, he's like, I postponed my death one time because I wanted to go to a concert. <laughs> so like there's, there's a real thing about finding something in the future they're excited about because then they want to, they want to stick around. So I know that's, that's kind of heavy, but it's, it's very true. And um, I just want to end by saying that, you know, realizefoundation.org, you can register for our book launch event. We have other events there you can register for. Most of them are virtual. We're going to do a first in-person one in Telluride in September, which we're going to announce soon. But, you know, our mission is to reduce the suicide rates. And that is through conversation, community, and personal story, which we think human connection is what saves people from suicidal ideation. And I, yes, we need all the resources that are out there. I'm not saying that we can replace the hotline or therapy, but we do believe that this is the the best way to reach people in a struggle before they even get to suicidal ideation in order to connect with our community and find the support they need to get through whatever adversity there is and, and keep them from going down that dark road. So visit our website, donate if you can, um, join us for the book launch. So we hope you'll join us. And thank you, Michael, for being here. And um, we hope to see you soon. Thank you. I'm so happy you joined us for this conversation. My wish is that you found comfort and hope in your own unique situation. If you resonated with our message, please head over to therealizedfoundation.org where you can apply to write your own story in one of our books. You can also download our 60 Ideas for Self-Care on the resources page. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, you are not alone, you are worthy, and you are enough.